0: Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I have the privilege of serving as the Director of Student Ministry Matters. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about encouraging and ministering to college students during COVID-19. It's proven to be an unusual time for middle school, junior high, high school, and college students. So we wanted to take a few minutes to discuss how we can better serve them during this time. Speaking of college students, we're so happy to have Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas, as one of our ministry partners. They ask a great question, do you need a college degree but don't have the time? The Pace College Degree Program at Central Baptist College in Conway has a proven in-class, online, or hybrid course format and multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. They understand that you can't quit your full-time job, which is why they've developed a flexible format that has helped adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. To get started today, you can visit cbc.edu online. Now, Central uh, College in Conway has done a great job working through the pandemic with their student body, but uh, so has Ouachita Baptist University of Arkadelphia. Today, we have James Taylor, Director of Campus Ministries at OBU on with us to talk about ministering to college students during COVID. Well, thanks for being on the podcast with us, James. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Well, I am again thrilled to have you on the podcast as as we continue this conversation about student ministry. And today's topic is going to be a little bit different. We're not talking about that 7th through 12th grader. We're talking about the college age student. Now, for those of us in student ministry, uh, there's really no end age. We don't say, oh, we don't love you anymore, especially if that student grew up in our student ministry, we see him grow up, go off to college. We're constantly checking in on them. And so today's conversation, uh, I want us to focus around this idea of well of COVID and some of the ways that we can minister to our college students that perhaps are just really friends of our ministry now, or maybe we're in a college town. If you're in Northwest Arkansas, Central Arkansas, or even in Arkadelphia. Um, and other spots here in the state and beyond, uh, you you have college students that are a part of your ministry, and it's always good for us to check in on them. Well, the last time that we had uh, James on the, the podcast with us, we also had Dr. Sells, and we were all kind of blown away by the fact that he beat Brad Pitt in a tennis match, and that was a very cool thing, but James just barely talked about his Special thing, and that was that his father was in the FBI. Tell us a little bit about that, James. Yeah, I think in that
2: moment there, uh, I've always thought that was one of the more interesting things about me. But compared to playing Brad Pitt in tennis, it seemed like it uh, was certainly second fiddle there. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we uh, my my father was worked for the FBI for um, over thirty years, and so that took us around to a few different places. But primarily, I grew up in Northern Virginia near the Washington D.C. area because of that, and then. We eventually moved back to uh, the south to Arkansas near where some of his his and my mom's family are, and so yeah, it was it's a you know a different experience. And I grew up uh, Northern Virginia in an area where almost everyone's parent worked for some branch of the government or the mm-hmm. military or somehow connected to that. So for me growing up, it was just totally normal, you know, for my dad to be in the FBI and for my best friend's dad to be uh, to work in the Pentagon. And my other friends to have dads in the IRS or, you know, those things were just kind of normal. Uh, but then you you kind of get away from it a little bit and you realize how unique that is. But it always gave me a, an appreciation for his service there. And, uh, you know, it,
1: it's a it's a neat part of our family, family history. It is. It is. I I, I take pride in the fact that my father served during Vietnam. Um, over these past few years, I've learned more about my father-in-law's service. Um, as a major in the Air Force and how he served during Vietnam and during that time, and you know, it it is a there's a certain sense of pride that I have because of those relationships. You know, one of the things that we didn't really get a chance to talk to or talk to you about was you kind of what's going on in your life outside of campus. I know that you're the campus minister you're you're in charge of those areas. You get to teach, work with students, just a whole range of things. Uh, but what's your ministry like outside of Washtenaw Baptist University.
2: Yeah. Um, so I have two young boys that are uh, 11 and nine. And so it's kind of like when someone asks you, uh, I think when you're at this stage of life and someone asks you what your hobbies are, uh, you think, well, <laughs> pretty much my kids are my hobbies. And in some sense, outside of, you know, with my campus ministry, I think of my family is my, they're in they're my small group. I have other, I have other life groups and small groups, you know, that I'm involved in, but my family is really my small group right now. And so my wife and I, uh, and our children, um, we spend a lot of time together and uh, we're glad that we have them at this age, you know, they're at home and uh, we're able to be together, especially under COVID. Maybe that's yeah. given us at times too much time at home together. <laughs> uh, but that's a big part of our, our ministry. And then we're also, I'm a pastor at a small church here in Arkadelphia bivocationally, vocationally. And so our family is, A big part of that life. And because it's a small church, the kids, you know, they know, they know everybody that goes to the church because it is a, it's a really small church. And so they've got a a bunch of extra aunts and uncles and grandparents through uh, that church relationship. So I'd say those are, you know, that's where most of, of my time is, is spent in life and in ministry is with the kind of those three communities, my Washten world, my family, and my, my church there. And maybe, Maybe when my kids get older, you've got college age kids. I don't know if you were able to pick up more hobbies there. Uh, other than that, when I have spare time, you know, I I hope to read. Uh, that's one of my goals. But my reading productivity is is always uh, a little bit less than I'd like. So that's probably my my next hobby if I get a chance
1: is to actually get through a book.
2: <laughs> yeah, summers summers <laughs> and Christmas breaks those are are made for reading a little little better, a little better rates. Uh, and in the semester, I tend to
1: work my way slowly through a book or two. Well, I got to ask if you are going to have a fun day with your boys, what's that look like? Um,
2: they, my oldest son is always asking to play catch in some form, okay. uh, which is just real sweet too, you know? And yeah. and so I also try to even, you know, anytime I say, I want to try to say yes, as much as I can, knowing that it's a short window there. So if it's throwing a football around or a baseball, uh, he just loves that. And my kids love soccer. We, uh, Our house is actually right across the street from the Washita soccer field and from another sort of open space. So we can, we can kick a soccer ball around. We have tennis courts we can go to. And so that's what we try to do if we have some free time and the weather's nice is to be outside. And none of us are amazing athletes, but just getting outside and and playing together and competing is always fun.
1: Yeah. Those are fun, fun times and fun days and, Mm -hmm. and they go really quick. Yep. (laughs) Well, again, we're going to be talking about, about COVID. I mean, we're dealing with the days of the pandemic. Um, this is coming out the very first part of February. And we, well, actually, it's going to be mid-February. And we're talking about best ways and best practices, uh, ministering to college students. I mean, that's the world that James walks in. He's dealing with students all the time. And Washita is doing a great job. I have a student there myself. And he is um, navigating the pandemic in a fantastic way. Uh, but James, let me start with this question. What are some ways that you see college age students um, struggling during these days?
2: Yeah, if you think about over the last maybe 10, maybe a little bit longer, 10, 15 years, mental health issues had been on a, a rise of uh, on all university campuses, just an increase of uh, mental health needs, support, counseling. And those were a a number of things there. But one of those major aspects, the struggles that college students were having that had grown over um, the last decade was anxiety Mm -hmm. and some of the other related maybe mental health issues there. And so this whole COVID thing just didn't help that at all, right? Because it just, it added uncertainty on top of uncertainty, um, and it created, um, reasons to on one sense, maybe just worry, but then maybe for people who were clinically dealing with anxiety or panic, um, and stress or depression, it just exacerbated those things. And so I think that's probably been one of the major things. I know our counseling office at Washita has, uh, stays, stays busy in trying to, to meet those needs. And then all of us who serve are also, even though if we're not counselors, we're aware of those needs along the way and trying to help students navigate it uh, as we navigate it too i think uh it's what makes this hard and what made it particularly hard early on was no one had really sailed these waters before mm, yeah. you couldn't act like oh i went through this when i was in my 20s too um we hadn't had that we had had national tragedies of you know like 911 uh, whereas as a whole nation we did experience great loss and fear and changes. And so we had walked through tragedies like that, but there was really nothing like this that had shut down so much of of business that changed people's livelihoods, students' parents who uh, had lost jobs, students whose plans were totally changed, that was new. And so I think part of walking through it that was difficult was we had to be honest to say that we we were all walking through that together and trying to help each other through, which I think created some camaraderie in a sense, if you could be honest about it with people, but also it made it harder because there was no no clear guide on, on walking through a pandemic like this.
1: Uncertainty upon uncertainty is a great description. You know, as, as we look at everything that's happened, and it's just been a wide range of things, um, especially... All of 2020, not just the days of pandemic and of being uh, quarantined and having to to wear masks, and the and the list kind of goes on. I mean, then we had a an unusual election uh, uncertainty in our own government, and just man, I, it's not a surprise for me to hear you say that anxiety has been on the rise within college students because anxiety is on the rise with. With most all of us, um, whether to a larger or a lesser degree. Um, what are some of the other things, maybe some challenges that that you guys have faced um on college campuses? You know, maybe not even specific to you, but maybe of other schools that you've heard about. Um, what because of this, um, what have you why has it been hard?
2: You know, everything that you try to do is is at least twice as hard. And half is fun, <laughs> uh, you know. It's just everything is more difficult, yeah. and and then the the enjoyment that you usually get from it is is less. Um, or if you if you're in ministry, that what you sense of if you feel like something's fruitful, it just doesn't feel as uh, fruitful in ministry at times. Because I think part of that is that we judge so much of our ministry by numbers, and we often our our metric for successful ministry doesn't always match God's metric for kingdom work, Uh, but it's tempting always to to let numbers and tangible things be how you measure ministry. Well, COVID has wrecked all of that. And I think all churches have noticed that their attendance has dropped and online attendance doesn't sort of match it. And, And plus on a Sunday morning or at any other worship service, you can have people that you know that they're there online, but it doesn't it's not the same as having those people there in person and being able to see them read body language. And so I think that's, that's what's made it so difficult Is all those things are hard, which has impacted community. You know, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, I think I'm once again, I'm not a counselor, but I think a lot of counselors would advise that finding a a place of belonging, finding a community is a key thing to help you walk through and, and learn how to, how to deal with and cope with those anxieties and fears and with depression um, and, and this has made community just more difficult to have because, uh, all of your spaces have to be bigger. You can't just easily take someone out to dinner or have a group of students over to your house. I think that's probably one of the things I've missed the most is, uh, being able to grab a quick lunch with a student, uh, just off campus, you know, the act of just riding in a car over to, uh, you know, a Mexican restaurant that we've got in town. That's right off campus. You could use, you could go there get a good lunch and be back before the you know next class started. And, and that's just not possible now. So it takes more planning. It takes more work. Um, and I think it takes that patience. But uh, our school has been really accommodating. Uh, our worship service that we have weekly that's student-led, um, there's really only one building on campus where we can have it, where we can let any sort of large number of people there. And so our school has let us use that on a weekly basis. And that's been just a great support um, for the students to be able to still gather and worship. We have to limit it. And so there are weeks where people, you know, we hit that limit, uh, but we can still have a semblance of what that is. And so that's been great. Our small groups, you know, which are tend to be, you know, maybe four to 10 size, they've been able to find rooms to meet on campus. And so we've been able to try to do some of this to still encourage community, but it's just, It's more difficult, uh, but the students have been great and appreciated, and you know that they want to be here on campus. Um, If at all possible, they want to do things in person, and we all recognize there's times we have to do stuff virtually, but uh, when it's at all possible, we try to have an in-person element and be as safe as possible, and so we've follow our school's guidelines on distancing and masks, and uh, Washita has been very uh, diligent on testing and contact tracing, and so uh, it's been amazing. We haven't known of any cases that have been connected that have been transmitted at one of our worship services, and that's so fantastic. we yeah. hope that's that continues. And uh, we continue to take it seriously, but also try the best we can to
1: to to do things in person. You know, I think about the the freshman that's that's come to school, and whether it's a at the University of Arkansas, or if it is at Washita or Central Baptist College, any of these places, I, I think about one of the things that as a, a student pastor, we would say to them, you know, if they're nervous about going off to school, we'd say, well, just get involved. <laughs> and that has become extremely difficult in these days. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my my next question, it just kind of ties into that. How do we, how do you guys encourage your students um, during these difficult times? I mean, you talked about the, you do have a counseling office, which is fantastic. Uh, but just in general, I mean, there's a probably just an overlying, well, you mentioned yourself, you have to plan twice as hard and it's maybe not half as fun. I mean, mm-hmm. um, there is that that reality. So what do you do, guys do to, to continue to encourage uh, college students?
2: Well at our at our university we certainly have those programs in place like counseling and life groups that are an option um other other clubs and organizations where students get involved but there's so there's that programmatic side but I think a big part of the way that we encourage students is that faculty and staff in a in a non-programmed way do their best to connect with students and reach out to them and encourage them and so You know, we're a school where if you go here, you're going to be known by your residence life staff and your faculty You're going to be in smaller classes. And I'm not saying that as an ad for Washita. I'm just saying that (laughs) in the standpoint of that, it's that relationship that ultimately is stronger than any program. And and our program goals are to try to build the relationships. Um, And so, you know, I think that's what really takes things to the next level in terms of encouragement and support. When somebody knows that they can have a conversation, that they can stop in and talk with a professor, um, that they can ask someone to pray for them. You know, it's the program side for sure, uh, but it's also those relationships that are formed through classes and through programs. And then I think encouraging people to have healthy habits, um, it sounds really basic, but the idea of establishing habits, habits early in a college career. Um, generally speaking, what a college student does that first few weeks is, is a lot of what their life is going to look like for their whole college career, which is going to be a challenge for this year's freshman class because (laughs) all of those things, like what we built around, we didn't have those normal habits of of our normal campus life in the fall. And it's slowly looking a little more normal, but it still isn't there. And next fall, it'll probably, we'll probably still have some adjustments, adjustments we have to make. Uh, But I would encourage current freshmen to say they've got to go into their sophomore year fall intentionally uh, with the idea of making some habits that that they they need to set up. Um, At our school, you know, we have noonday, a kind of a regular time of devotion that students can go to, choosing to go to church, get up on a Sunday morning. Um, If you sign up for a life group, you know, making that a priority to be there and and follow through with a commitment. Um, those are all spiritual disciplines in some sense, but also, man, the habits of just eating healthy meals and eating regularly and getting outside and walking, um, getting some kind of exercise that's about to be difficult because I think we're about to hit uh, zero degrees. Uh, so for the next few days, going outside may not be an option, but generally in Arkansas, you can get outside and, uh, exercise. So I think, you know, those things really matter too. And so it's about trying to encourage uh, all aspects of human life to be helpful, spiritually, socially, physically, um, all of those things, uh, trying to get students to to build those healthy habits. And sometimes colleges aren't the most helpful for that because your schedule changes every semester. right? And you don't have the same schedule on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday as you do on a Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, and, you know, you can have, we have students who don't have class until 2 p.m. on a day. That's you know, for when I was twenty years old, and if I knew I had class, I didn't have class until two p m the next day. It was hard to make a wise choice about when to go to bed that night. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we tend to be in a culture of uh kind of we we binge on a lot of activity and then we crash, and then we binge on some more activity and then we crash. That's the worst side of college life, and so I think students have to try to find out, all right, yes, there are ups and downs to a college semester. Um, but how can I establish some regularity in the midst of those, those waves? I think that's a key to trying to find some, some healthy, um, healthy rhythms.
1: What it sounds like to me is that, that you have worked now, not just you, but the, the staff of your university have worked to create this culture of encouragement, uh, for their students. Is that something that kind of came top down or, You know, how did did that develop during this moment?
2: Yeah, I think it's certainly a part of the current, you know, culture here in administration. But I think it goes back long before I ever came to this school that um, it's not it's just never been an uncommon thing to run into a president or a vice president of the university and to have them know you and care about you and to have professors do that. So I think it's been ingrained here um, as part of our faith that doesn't mean we're, we're not Mayberry. I don't want to present that we're the, the perfect place. And, um, we certainly have struggles and we don't always do that perfectly. And unfortunately there are are times that people feel like they've fallen through the cracks or we, uh, have missed them, but I think it has been a top-down thing, but also a part of the, the legacy of a school Uh, here that, that we've tried to care about students. It doesn't hurt that we're smaller. You know, our university is about 1500 people um, right now. And when you have a smaller university, it just helps to have a more personal connection.
1: That's great. Well, the last area that I wanted to talk about today was this, well, there's a lot of us that have college students that are away. There are. Uh, maybe three hours away. I'm in Northwest Arkansas. I've got students who are in Conway. I've got students who are in Arkadelphia. Um, we may have you may have students further away than that, mm-hmm. and so they may be off at college somewhere, and they're much more alone. Um, and but they and they may not have the same environment that Washita has worked at. Um, so let me ask, what are some ways that I can encourage them? I Say I'm the student pastor and I'm thinking about those college students, or I am a student pastor or a part of a church, and locally I am in a place where there are a bunch of college students and they come to our church. What are some things that we can do to encourage those students and our students as we continue through these days of, of COVID-19?
2: I think there's a few ways that you can go with that. Um, and in some sense, the basics of ministry never change. Right. And so maybe with that understanding that, you know, those very basic things about plugging into a plugging into a local faith community that is biblical and that will en- encourage your faith, challenge you to grow, um, you know, spending daily time, or time throughout the day in prayer with God, encouraging people to do that, and and trying to to train people up in those rhythms and disciplines before they get to college is going to matter a ton. Mm, yeah. So those basic things of community, ministry, um, you know, being founded on the Word, all of that, uh, with with those things in mind, I think you can then also look at all right. What, what do you deal with with this particular age group? How can you encourage them in the faith? I think it's really tricky because students in this age are for the first time not just in charge of the freedom of their sort of daily schedule uh, what they're going to do with their time but really what are they going to choose to believe and are they going to choose to sort of follow through in the spiritual tradition that they've grown up in and with the habits that they have and so it's a fine balance between um, encouraging them and giving them a sense of, of freedom where they're they are kind of making their faith their own during this, this age and so it's difficult. You know, one thing that I know is before I get on to maybe some more like maybe some practical things, one thing that's not as helpful is uh, if you know a college minister, you probably know they they would know this experience of it's not uncommon to have a parent, a grandparent, or a youth minister call the call the college minister and say, hey, I'm concerned about you know the student, would you reach out to them and would you would you check on them, but don't tell them I called? And, uh, you know, it's that's just almost impossible. And I now I'm to the point where I'll tell people I I can do that. But I'll I'll let you know that in my history and experience, that's not the most effective way to check in on somebody. Um, Especially, you know, if you can imagine me, I'm now in my 40s. And if you just kind of cold call somebody out of nowhere and say, hey, I was concerned about you wanted to to see how you were doing and they don't know me at all. Well, it's not going to be particularly effective. So usually we'll have try to have someone in our ministry connect with them. Uh, so that's not necessarily the most, most helpful way. I think being upfront, if you're worried about someone and letting them know that, uh, just letting them know that you're concerned directly is good. And, and even giving the college minister permission to say, Hey, someone from home contacted me because they were worried about you. Um, is everything going okay? Letting it just be more upfront is probably more helpful, even though they may make the choice to not respond. Um, Ultimately, you can't force them to join a life group or anything like that. But uh, I'd say, you know, just like high school, uh, practically speaking, the friends that you're around matter a ton. The the group of people that you choose to surround yourself in college uh, it plays a huge role. So, encouraging students to be thoughtful and uh, intentional about that, Um, and I think this is hard for us. You know, if you if you are ministering in a particular tradition, uh, whether that's you know we're a Southern Baptist church. Um, Washita isn't, I'm at a Southern Baptist church. Washita is a, is a Baptist school. It's difficult sometimes to realize that students are going to sort of be flexing their world, spiritual worldview and trying to figure out where they're going to fit in and where they're going to take their next step. And it's scary to let them do that. But at the same time, most college students and young adults are going to have a moment where they're going to realize, all right, I came from this tradition, but there's also a wider world of the Christian faith and even beyond that and they may have some hard questions and you've got to provide enough conversation to where they feel safe to maybe ask some hard questions but also be um, a a witness to the gospel within those conversations and that's hard to do and but students will will search and they will consider and if they're serious about their faith they're going to be thinking about what they believe and where they're going to plug themselves in. Um, And so you do see sometimes students who decide to test out sort of a different stream of the Christian tradition, um, students who really struggle with their faith. And so that's a different, a difficult time period. And I I think it's it's hard to find that balance of where you want to be honest with them because they need to own their own faith and believe it for themselves. But you also want to be um, a clear witness for the gospel. And, you know, I'm preaching this as a guy who uh, has kids are 11 and (laughs) 9. So I haven't walked through that. I haven't walked through that with my own children, which um, certainly will bring a different aspect to that when I get there. But I've heard multiple times from students when they're telling their faith story, they say, well, I was baptized when I was younger, six, seven, eight years old, but I didn't really know what I was doing. That's almost the exact quote that a lot of students will yeah, say. And then, yeah, and then they'll agree. say, well, and then in junior high, I kind of recommitted my life. And, and then now I'm t- really trying to figure out, I feel like I've really owned my faith in college. That's a common kind of progression with mm-hmm. students. And I try to tell them, don't judge your eight-year-old faith based on what, how you understand the gospel now that you're 20. They can be really kind of harsh on that decision and think, well, that wasn't genuine. And it may be true that they didn't know what they were doing, but it may also be true that their eight-year-old faith was an eight-year-old's faith. And compared to how they understand the gospel now, sure, it looks a little different. And probably how they understand the gospel in 30, 40 years will make their current faith look a little uh, immature or shallower. So I think giving them room to figure out where they are and to, to, to grow their faith is, is an important period. Practically how you do that, you know I think consistently letting people know that you love them and you're there for them uh, ultimately they're gonna have to take some initiative to also be a part of those conversations and that relationship it's a It's a tricky time um, and there's a lot of things that are preaching to our students that aren't preachers. Um, yeah you know every commercial, every movie is preaching about what the good life is. And and how you can find fulfillment. So they're getting preached at by everything, and uh, we we need to be a part of that conversation as they're
1: trying to figure out how they're going to fit themselves in the world. Well, as a, as a parent who has gone through some of those stages that you've described, everything you've shared is is right on target. Just giving them some space and freedom uh, to evaluate where they've been and where they're they're going, and to be a a voice of support and encouragement as they take those steps. You know, I, I, you described that eight-year-old faith. That was when I accepted Christ. And and I think back to that and I, I've often questioned, gone, okay, did I do, what did I do? And I was, I had a childlike faith because mm-hmm. I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it is good to, to, to hear some of these things and to, I appreciate you sharing them with us as as student ministry workers we can often get very concerned about when we hear what our college students are up to especially if it seems so different from what we've been they've been involved with um, in just some basic ways do you have anything else that you would offer as words of encouragement for those of us working with with college students or wanting to be a voice of encouragement for st- college students well
2: I I mentioned before I like to read. Um, it's probably a weakness in my ministry that I often think I can fix a problem by giving someone a good book. Um, <laughs> yeah. And But I do have to realize that that's not the case for most, most people. Um, but I do think anything that you can do to encourage people to become readers mm, and reading yeah. good, uh, solid people um, along the way, I think that can hopefully be a way, especially if you have someone who's really... Um, kind of feeling out their faith. Um, we do have to recognize that not every voice that claims to be Christian is a helpful Christian voice. That's and right. so not everything with that label uh, of Christian author is particularly helpful or biblical. So I think it's a fine line between encouraging people to think and and know that they've got to believe believer themselves, but also trying to put in front of them a uh, good biblical resources. Um, and encouraging them to to think deeply about what they believe and to know that there's a a rich tradition, thousands of years of people who have loved Christ, loved his word, and thought deeply about about all of these questions and intricacies. You know, we're not the first people to ask hard questions. Right. And we can we can learn a lot from from our historic faith
1: too. Well let me ask you, James, you mentioned You know, handing a book off to a college student. Maybe we want to send one as a student mystery worker. We've got a college student off. Um, what are two or three books that you might recommend?
2: That's a good question. Um it's hard to it's really hard to cut it down to two or three good books. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um I love like most people, I mean I love C.S. Lewis and Uh, his stuff though can sometimes be hard to read. I don't know that handing a high school student C. S. Lewis is probably the best thing all the time. Um, I mean, like his book Screw Letters is great, but it, it's it can be difficult to
1: work through. Sure.
2: So I don't know that I would go that route. Um, I really um, there's a daily devotional that I love that is probably you know simple and basic enough that most students. Tim and Kathy Keller have um, a daily devotional that works through proverbs, and so it's called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. And I think that one is an excellent, can create that daily habit of, you know, it's a short read and it might set that up. So something like that uh, can be particularly helpful. Um, I think that if they're interested in ministry, Jeff Yorg, uh, if I'm saying his last name right, has a book out. Um, I think it's titled, Is God Calling Me? That okay. would be good for someone in that maybe 18-year-old range if they're considering ministry. Uh, would be a helpful book there and um yeah I, I i think i think i could probably list a number a number of other ones it's the the difficulty of trying to to drop that down and find the ones that i think would be a, a great help for um for college students if they're theologically minded um there's a book on the trinity um that i'm i'm drawing a blank on my uh on the title of right now um let me see if I can look it up real quick. Um, but it's a it's a great little book that um, that uh, helps people kind of walk through a difficult okay. doctrine. It's called yeah. Delighting in the Trinity uh, by Michael Reeves. Um, okay. That one might be a little bit heavier and deeper, but that that could be another option for students.
1: Well, those are all great suggestions and yeah it's a place to start uh-huh. um, you know as as student ministry workers. A lot of what we've done, at least previously, has always been about what we do. And sometimes we don't slow down enough to read. And so this is a great place. And those are some helpful suggestions as we move forward. Well, James, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and with our listeners as we talk about this issue of encouraging and just ministering to college students during COVID. Um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Soon things will be in a relatively normal, uh, normal place, and I, you know, there there is not going to be. I think the, the description has been it's going to be a new normal. Um, but for college life, I think that there's a lot of things that will go back to the way they were. Um, you know, the inability to gather for maybe a basketball game or a football game or this activity or that activity is just has to be very frustrating. Um, when you're trying to do ministry and trying to do college life. And um, so again, thank you, James, for being here with us.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me on.
1: Well, I am so appreciative of guys like James who are on the front line, working with college students during these unusual and weird days. And hopefully, again, we'll be at a place where we can Uh, Talk to somebody without a mask. That would be fun (laughs) Uh, to be able to to have dinner or have lunch with a student be able to just share our lives in a a closer way than we are right now. Um, We want to keep trying to figure this all out, though. Why? Well, we do this because Student Ministry Matters.
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.